Hello and welcome to Retrospection, where we take an old show, our film, and see if it's still okay to hit the streets or if it should remain undercover. In this episode, we're looking at the American cop show Stursky and Hutch, which ran from 1975 to 1979. Now, originally, my introduction was going to say welcome to Retrospection, a podcast that hasn't been cancelled by COVID-19. But then I realised by the time we put this episode out, either COVID-19 is a thing of the past and we're all looking back at it and laughing, or we're all dead. Either way, the introduction wouldn't work. (laughs) Well, it'd be a nice historical document, wouldn't it? True, true. With that, hello to all our listeners. My name's Colin. Does your mommy know you use language like this? And I'm Paul, and my mother always told me to wear clean underwear. It's interesting that both our lines involve mothers. So Freud would have a field day. <laughs> With you, anyway. What do you mean by that? Oh, you know. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think I mean by that, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> mind games. Don't use mind games on me. It's too no, late for Wasted. That. No, not yet. I'm getting oh, there. Okay. The show, according to IMDb, is about two streetwise cops who bust criminals in their red and white Ford Grand Torino with the help of police snitch Huggy Burr. Police what? Snitch. Oh, right, okay. I don't want to know what you thought I said. <laughs> People know. It stars David Soule as Detective Ken Hutch Hutchinson, Paul Michael Glazier as Detective Dave Stursky, Antonio Fergus as Huggy Burr and Richard Ward as Captain Doby, but the series had Bernie Hamilton as Captain Doby. Only the pilot was played by Richard Ward. Yes, that threw me. That threw me. I was thinking, that's not Captain Doby. Who's this guy? <laughs> he was an imposter. You're like, why yeah. don't they realise they're supposed to be detectives? <laughs> is, this, is this part of the plot? <laughs> yeah. So when they're try, trying somebody. to figure out if somebody set them up, he's like, maybe it's the guy who's not really Doby. <laughs> Now, what was the other cop show that we've looked at that um, featured a different guy playing the uh, the the police lieutenant? Oh, this involves memory. Mm. Oh, come on, it's an easy one. It's not an easy one. It is. You'll have to tell me. Miami Vice. Oh, but Miami Vice, he wasn't just in the pilot. It was in, like, the first few episodes. I didn't specify it was just a pilot, did I? Not accepting that. <laughs> The show ran for five seasons, but had a somewhat troubled production. After the first two seasons, there were a lot of complaints about the level of violence and the darkness of the storylines. So by the third, they had eliminated most of that and made it more comedic. And they also focused more on the relationships the two cops have with different women and in the backgrounds. Kind of like Hunter also had that problem. Really, I've not I've not seen the the later seasons of Hunter. Is that what happens? The the early seasons of Hunter, there was complaints about the level of violence, so they tone it down. Well, it's interesting with with Starsky and Hutch is is that um, it kind of threw me this pilot because I think I remember the later seasons more than I do the early ones. You know, I remember the the, the silly uh, disguises and right. going on, on on cruise ships and things like that. You know. More than I remember this kind of thing. Yeah. Remember it's violent is what this is. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's an episode that was actually banned 
on the BBC until the 90s. Is that the drugs one? Yes. Yeah, where uh, Hutch gets addicted to heroin, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. So the show was different from others at the time in that it wasn't afraid to show the emotional relationship between the two male leads, especially through physical gestures. Hollywood referred to the characters as French kissing primetime homos. <laughs> you can put that on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting because um, Aaron Spelling um, used to refer to this show as TV's first homosexual love affair. Apparently. Yeah, it's weird because it clearly set a template for today. Oh, it's all bros and all that kind of thing now, backslapping and... What? <laughs> oh, come on, yeah. Have you never seen modern-day cop shows? It's always got two guys who are... Who Paul, are, who Paul, are retrospection, close. I don't watch anything after 2000. Oh, well, I'm doing it so you don't have to. Okay. That's been your motto for a lot of things, not just watching TV. <laughs> That's true. Um, no, one in particular that springs to mind, and I don't, I don't watch it, but my wife watches it, so I've caught episodes of it now and again. Is Hawaii Five O, the 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 reboot of Hawaii Five O. That's got some exceptionally strong um, man love going on in it. Okay. Yeah. And I, I don't mean I don't mean the good kind of man love. I mean the terrible kind of man love where it's all manly men slapping each other on the back. I'd rather they just snogged. Fair enough. Oh, I mean, at least that's something, isn't it? That's a real thing. <laughs> that's true. You know? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever slapped anyone manly on the back? <laughs> I know I haven't. Not recently, no. Yeah. So, Glazier was unhappy with the direction of the show by the beginning of the third season and wanted to quit. He even sued the producers, and they brought him back with more creative control and a pay rise but not until they had written a number of scripts of a new female character, Officer Baylor, who eventually only then ended up appearing in one episode. So was she um, being designed to replace him? Yes. Should, should he go? Yeah. Yeah. Not sure what they call the show. <laughs> Stersky and Baylor? It would have been a brave brave choice yeah. to rebrand at such a late stage, wouldn't it? Yeah. By the fourth season, Glazer was threatening to quit again and producers introduced Stersky's younger criminal brother who, if Glazer didn't return, he would reform his criminal ways and take over as Hutch's partner. And then they wouldn't have to change the title. The final yes. episode was originally written to have Stersky die, but this was changed so it wouldn't affect syndication. So am I right in thinking it doesn't have a, a, an ending in the same way that Miami Vice has an ending? I guess it doesn't. I, have, I, don't, I don't think I've seen the ending. Yeah, I've never got that far either. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'm in the third season. I think I'm in the mid-second season. Okay. It's taken me a few years to get there, I have to say. Yes, yeah. At the end of the fourth season, the show was cancelled. Production costs had been increasing while ratings had been slipping, and Glazer's unhappiness with the show had been made public. Yeah, didn't he say at the time that... that um, if the show hadn't been cancelled, he, he would have just refused to continue? Yeah, I don't know why he's, you don't hear anything about David Saul. He seems like he just carried on doing what he was doing. Yeah, but he had lots of other things going on. He had his pop career at the time as well, didn't That's he? Which true. was huge, particularly in the UK. Yeah, yeah, you like a bit of David Saul, right? Silver Lady. There you go. I mean, admittedly, it's the only soul you'll ever get, but. <laughs> or David's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else? 
Um, just a few little bits and pieces. The, the Ford Motor Company marketed around 1,000 special edition Gran Torinos um, during 1976 with the exact Starsky and Hutch paint job on it. Oh, it's just funny because Glazer hated that car. He did. It, it's one of those cars as well that you do see lots of replicas around these days. You know, most cons tend to have a Starsky and Hutch car around. Uh, yeah, I guess. That other Batmobile, the original 60s Batmobile. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And Kit, that's another one oh, as well. Oh, yeah, Kit. Uh, definitely, yeah. 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 Did you read the interesting thing about France? Ooh, so many responses to that. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. Apparently in France, the show was dubbed with much more comedic dialogue. It was often ad-libbed as well. And it made the show much more um, absurd, apparently. I'm kind of interested in that. Yeah, that, sound, yeah, that sounds kind of like something uh, we England did with, like, Monkey. Yes, yeah, I think that's a similar kind of thing. It was they they played it more for laughs. Oh, so a lot of the dialogue, a lot of the dialogue isn't necessarily the exact dialogue that was in the episode. I would really like to watch an episode in the original and then watch the French version afterwards with subtitles because I don't understand French completely. So, but that would mm. be interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, on the back of that as well, apparently the French translation of Huggy Burr means Huggy Good Tips. Wasn't that your uh, crime watch name back in the 1990s, Colin? It, don't tell people, but yes, I believe it was. And that's why I've never been found until now. <laughs> Have you got any good tips? Little one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave that one there. Um, apparently the, the car also appeared in an episode of Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, yeah, just the car. Just the car. Did he get credit? A... I don't know, but it was, it was in the 70s. So it was around about the same time as it was actually... The show was on air as well, so... With the same paint job? Yeah. Hmm. It was the, the, the Starsky and Hutch car. Well, that's that's that was probably what it was credited as. Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, David Sol originally wanted to play Starsky because he felt that that was the, um, the better character. He felt that Hutch was too white-bred, much like myself, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Healthy, healthy you know, wheat-green-eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just like you. Wholesome. Wholesome. That's the word. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is, is wholesome enough a word for Rubenesque? If you like. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do know what Rubenesque means, and I'm just ignoring it. <laughs> uh, Huggy Burr scored as high as Starskin Hutch with the audience. Yes. He is a good character. And, and on the back of what you said about Paul Michael Glazier, even, even after the pilot, he didn't think the pilot would actually lead to a series. He's pretty down on this right from the beginning. It's, really. it's weird, right? Especially considering how good he is in it as well. Yes, yeah. I mean, I like them both, but he is the best thing in it. Yeah, but I kind of view it as like Markham and Wise. There has to be a straight guy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you always yeah. like rubbish the straight guy, but the straight guy is doing a lot of work to make the other guy mm. seem better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shame it doesn't work in podcasts. <laughs> Go on. Which one's the straight guy, though? Oh, I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's Freud again when we need him, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um. So, so are you? Are you? Are you Hutch then, and I'm Starsky, or are you Starsky and I'm Hutch? Because well, I, like the show, I often get us mixed up. So, I guess I'm Hutch because I eat healthier than you do. Okay. I can, I, I, yeah. I, Go with that, yeah. And I prefer Hutch's clothing style to Starsky's. 
Oh, he's got some cracking jo- uh, ensemble jobs going on in this episode. Which one? Oh, the um. Oh, don't, whoa! <laughs> steady with the heavy breathing and the. <laughs> not, you're not making those phone calls now, Paul. <laughs> you said you wouldn't talk about that. Um, I'll I'll point it out as we get there. Okay, so I, I like Hutchie's like leather jacket and style. You know, my wife um, is a huge fan of Starsky and Hutch, and she actually has, um, you know, the cardigan that Starsky wears. Yes. In this episode. She's got one of those. Oh, there you go. You could. Why aren't you wearing that now? You should wear it. I know. I didn't think, did I? No, never do. Right. It's my problem. Wife. I don't. I don't wear my wife's clothes. Oh, that's not what I've heard. <laughs> Who have you been talking to? Your wife. <laughs> All right, okay. <laughs> well, on that note, we don't have a trailer, so let's just go on with the show. So it's nighttime. We get Stersky and Hutch in white credits, mm-hmm. and we see a cityscape twinkling in the distance. Two men are sat in a car on a hill overlooking the city. Now, one of them hopes they get back to the place by one o'clock because there's a John Wayne film, Red River, on TV, and he wants to see the end of it. His colleague is surprised that he's never seen the end of it. Well, don't tell me the end of it, his friend says. Well, what's there to tell? Wayne wins. He always wins. Now, these hitmen, they remind me of the two villains in Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, they've got very similar, um, very similar tone to them, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, but it's also very Tarantino-ish as well, isn't it? it reminds me of Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Samuel Jackson and um, um, John Travolta. Yeah. It's interesting, the effort that was put into it. It, it is. It, it doesn't come across like TV, this, at all, does it? No, and that's going to occur a lot in this pilot episode. Yeah, it does. It does. So a car approaches, and it's a red and white Torino that looks like Stursky's car. Mm. It's funny because my notes say Hutchie's car. <laughs> <laughs> it's like even I'm mixing. Get on your feet. Yeah. <laughs> but inside is a young woman and a man that we've never seen before. And they light up some weed and they start smoking. These two other men get out of their car and approach the Torino. They're carrying guns. Isn't smoking illegal, one says. The other replies, yes, I think we should stop it. Richard Lynch that plays, uh, is it Zane? Yes, um, he's your quintessential TV bad guy. He's been in everything, hasn't he? Both of them. Uh, the other one, well, the other one's not so much a bad guy, but he was also famous for Hill Street Blues. Of course, yes, and that's that's where I've seen him. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't pick I place the other guy, but yeah. Now Richard Lynch, though, we've seen him before on the podcast. Uh, he's, he's been on the what? podcast. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. Oh, he was quiet under the, under the table. Okay, where have we seen him before? You always do this, and you know I have a memory that lasts about five seconds long. I know. It's filled, See, I filled with important stuff. It's the thing <laughs> is, you've written it down, so you know it, so just tell us. Galactic 80. Of course, yes. Playing a very similar character that he does here. In fact, he plays very similar characters in everything that I've ever seen him in. Very yeah. well. Yes. So they open fire through the windshield, killing the occupants, and walk away as the sound of the horn keeps blurring away. I love the bleakness of 1970s film, don't you? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. I watched, I watched Marathon Man again the other day. Still holds up. Yeah, yeah. I prefer it if it's original title. Oh, dear me. Yeah. <laughs> That's a joke only British people will get. Yeah, not even going to do it. 
No, you're not. <laughs> Just leaving it. <laughs> we cut to daytime and an aerial shot of the red and white striped Ford Torino turning a corner. Stursky drives along alleyways and pulls in. He gets out of the car and enters a gym. Hutch is hitting a punch bag. Hutch tells Stursky he's late. Stersky points out that this is not the highlight of his day. And I like Stersky's reactions to the guy using the punching bag near his head. Because mm-hmm. he's very wary of him. But wouldn't you be? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now Stersky is sitting drinking coffee waiting for Hutch to take a shower. And there's this guy called Frankie who runs the gym collecting the mm-hmm. towels. And Frankie says to Stersky, you shouldn't drink that. It'll rot your guts away. Dear Ma, replies Desky, I just met a doctor and I think he loves me. <laughs> you have to say that the, the banter and the chemistry is already here right from the first scene, isn't it? Yes, totally. Yeah, it's like they've been doing it for years. Yep. Stesky throws his garbage in the dirty towels can and Frankie, grumbling, pulls it out. Stesky asks him, Are you ever curious about what Hotch and I do for a living? I got no questions, is Frankie's reply. Head in the sand? Or better, my head in the sand than my tail in a sling. You guys know what you're doing. That's good enough for me. Hutch says, yeah, we know what we're doing, but I'll be damned if I know why. <laughs> it's great dialogue. Whole whole episode has got great dialogue. As it, it's really good. I would imagine that this came off the back of French Connection. If French Connection was early 70s, 71-ish? Yeah. yeah it's... And this episode was, what, 75? Yes. So they're, 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 they're trying to emulate it, aren't they? Absolutely. Not just in the dialogue, but in the street scenes and the chases and just the activity outside. Yeah. It's it's almost like uh, the equivalent of guerrilla filmmaking. I don't, I'm not sure it is. I'm pretty sure that it's all controlled, but it doesn't feel like it is or look like it is. Not at all, especially when you when you see the shots of the car careening around the corners and people like jumping. <laughs> There's so many people running in front of these cars. It looks so real and natural, though, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you can put this to something like TJ Hooker that we did recently, where everything looks really staged. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's completely different. And TJ Hooker was, what, 10 years later or whatever? Yeah. And I think, I, but I think Stairsky Hutch loses a lot of that later in the series. Yeah. I, and, and, and I'll talk about that in my summing up at the end. It's, it, it, this is not the show I remember watching this. Okay. Interesting. So, much to Stersky's disgust, they take Hutch's beaten-up, dirty car. Uh, ironically, Glazer, as I mentioned, hated the Torino, but he also thought it was daft in the story because he thought it was weird that undercover cops would be driving such a significant car. Also, he hated the way it drives. Yeah, I can go with that. And it, it, it kind of feels, because of what the, what the story is in this pilot, they needed that car to stand out. And it kind of feels... It, it, it kind of feels like it's set up. Yeah, but hasn't that been a trademark of, like, tons of cop shows? Like, Magnum drives yeah. his Ferrari, and I watched an episode the other day where they called that point out that why you a, you're you a PI and you drive such a obvious car, and then, obviously, Miami Vice with the Ferrari Testarossa. Well, you think back to, to all the little car, Corgi toys from the 70s that we all had. You, you even had... Um, I know. Do you remember they even did one of the the brown whatever it was that Kojak drove? Right. Yeah. You know. So the cars were very important to these shows. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it started with this. I would imagine it started with Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, this is one of the things I'm interested in. Did all these tropes that we see start with this show? Or was there a show before this that did it? I don't know. I can't think of one. I can't think of one either. A lot of uh, my instinct would be to say that it all started with Starsky and Hutch because it was such a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, let's go with that. Yeah, sorted it. Yeah. <laughs> so, in the car, they start going for a checklist of their equipment. Yeah, do they have to do this every time they get in the car? Yes, if it's a real job, you would, right? You check everything you've got when you go out on patrol. Would we? Yeah. If this was. I yeah, mean, would... you wouldn't. You'd be like, yeah, I've put them in the back. I don't care, whatever. And then you get to it and you go, you, you go, freeze. And then you just pulled out a tube of Pringles instead of your handgun. That would be you. But proper professionals would actually go through everything. In all fairness, if this was me and you, though, I wouldn't have to do it because I know you would. Because it's, it's your kind of thing, isn't it? Checklists. And... I love checklists. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. So that's really, I don't have to do it, you, you know. Well, you have, to put some, you have to put some effort into it, Paul. It can't be all about me doing everything. <laughs> oh, <laughs> So they drive off while chatting about the current dates, and we get this banter that mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we've never seen before at this point in a TV show. I don't think so, no. Yeah. And it, it's so real, it feels real. Yeah, it's two guys who are close friends who rely on each other, just mm-hmm. chatting about what's going on in their lives. Yeah. So they see a suspect they know was recently paroled. He's called Coley. Stersky confirms this by looking for a big book that they seem to have put together of photos, names, and history of the people. I like this book thing. Yeah, it makes perfect sense as well. Yeah, that that's the thing that they've created and worked on and put together. Because they've been working together for so long. Yeah, because, you know, no such thing as computers, so mm. what the mm-hmm. hell are you going to do? So they see him pickpocket, and, and they go out, and they stand behind him and tell him to put it back, and then they drag him away. Now, like we discussed earlier about the French Connection, if you're eagle-eyed, you can see that people are watching and seem to be commentating mm-hmm. on what's going on, and it looks like it was filmed in real streets that weren't closed off to traffic. Yeah, that's the way it looks, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And it's all gritty and dirty. So they've grabbed this pickpocket called Coley, but Coley convinces them to let him go, saying they'd have to spend all day on paperwork. And is it worth it for a guy like him? And they do decide to let him go. But as he leaves, he asks them to confirm that it's the 17th. Stasky says it is, but for a second the pickpocket looks confused. Yeah, I think we'll revisit that later, won't we? Yeah. Now, Stursky says Coley would never have crossed them like that a year ago, and Hutch wonders what was up with the date thing, but they drive away. Now, the guy that he pickpockets, and he has to give him back his... Uh, they make him give him back his wallet, don't they? Mm-hmm. As they walk away, <laughs> you know that this guy's going to be raped and murdered off screen later, don't you? Because there's a, there's a guy as well looking at the money he's got next to yeah. him. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background to this episode, too. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to Captain Dolby entering an office unannounced. Dolby's annoyed that he's been called down to the DA's office on his day off. I, I, I wrote a big note in my book. Who's this guy? This isn't Captain Dolby. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the Dolby I was looking for. No, he's not. Um, the DA is called Henderson. 
mm-hmm. and he tells Dolby that somebody's trying to kill Detective Stersky and Hodge. Now, wouldn't this have been quicker done by phone? It would, yes. Right. <laughs> hey, Captain Dolby, can you come to my office? Why? Oh, I'll tell you when you get here. <laughs> yeah, because... Oh, by the way, it's urgent and time's important. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't he say the line that he was enjoying what he was doing and so was his son? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I'm not not judging. I'm glad you're not judging. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a strange line. (laughs) Well, okay. I mean, because he's on his holiday. He's day off. Yes, of course. Yes, that's just me. Being a pervert. Yes. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we fade to black and we open up on a dark sunset. Both Stersky and Hutch are quiet as they drive along. Hutch finally asks, what's bugging Stersky? Stersky says he's starting to feel like salt in the sugar bowl. What does that mean? What do you think it means? I don't know. It means you've, you've found something that you didn't expect, but it looks the same. Oh, is that what it means? Yeah. Uh- I was. I wasn't. I wasn't trying to be funny. I was oh, generally didn't understand that. Because understand that one, no. Because all all day people have been surprised to see them. So if you've got salt in your sugar bowl, you'd be surprised to suddenly take it out and put it in your tea or whatever, right? Okay. Yes. No, it makes sense. I actually thought it was a great line. Oh no, it is. Now I understand it. Yes. So Starsky is talking about all the people that are surprised to see them, and he says like, "Oh, the hooker on third, creepy Charlie, and the other one," which made me laugh. Because <laughs> does he mean there's another creepy Charlie, or they just couldn't be bothered remembering the names? <laughs> a creepy Charlie wasn't that another one of your aliases back in the 1990s? <laughs> it, it was at the same time that yours was Hooker on third. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for the fat Rolly reference in a minute. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> oh, strap in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hutch suggests that. Well, maybe they heard the two of them been transferred, but Stersky doesn't buy it. So now we see a guy on the sidewalk called Fat Rolly. Yes. Nope. Sees that he sees them and the two detectives spot him, but Rolly immediately he just like starts running. <laughs> then they stop and are about to go after Rolly, but then they get a call that Captain Doby wants them back immediately and urgently. Stersky does the old can't hear a thing with his radio, it must be playing up trick. And they go after Raleigh. They enter a smuggy bar. Did you see what was playing in the, on the cinema behind them as they walked into the bar? The great black exploitation horror movie, Blackula. Oh, one of your favourites. I, I quite like Blackula, yes. Cool. What? Look at me like that. I do. Well, I'm not, it's, it's not a joke. Okay. <laughs> Seriously, it's not a joke. <laughs> All right. Uh, they see Raleigh about to make a phone call. But he hangs up when the two detectives reach him. Now the whole burr is watching them. And Stersky, he's finally had enough. He grabs a metal tray from the waitress and bangs it on the bar top. He says, you know we're cops, we know that you know, and we know you don't like us, but that's the way it is. So all day long people have been looking at us like we're Lazarus the day after. And it's, it's starting to get to us, you, you follow? So what's so special about two cops patrolling the same place that they've been patrolling for three years? Somebody in here has got the answer. It's a great scene, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Dialogue's fantastic. Yep. Stersky asks each person in the bar to write down the answer on a piece of paper with no names. Mm-hmm. 
and then they look through the pieces of paper and Stersky finds the one he knew that was written by Fat Rolly because he's the only one he gave a pen to. <laughs> that is the kind of mistake I would make. <laughs> <laughs> and it says Stersky was supposed to have been wasted last night. Not mm-hmm. the way you are. I don't know what you mean. Okay. So they question Raleigh, who was supposed to kill Starsky? And Hutch gives Raleigh a drink. Raleigh says he doesn't know, but that there was a contract out of Starsky and he was supposed to be being wasted. That's all. That's all he knows. Hutch doesn't believe Raleigh, doesn't know anything more. Why did he run to a phone as soon as he saw them? Raleigh says he was calling his bookie. Hutch gives him another drink. Hutch tells him how usually there's a good cop and a bad cop. Like, there's a good podcaster and a bad podcaster. It's similar. One that's all folksy and nice, but that doesn't work for them. They're both hard-nosed. Like us. Yeah. Raleigh still refuses to tell them. Hutch gives him another drink. Mm. And then says, what? Liking this. Yeah, they're your your favourite kind of police, right? Absolutely, yeah. He says taking a drink. <laughs> non alcoholic beer, mate. Oh, yeah, with the whiskey in it. No, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> now, Hutch says they'll have to arrest Raleigh for open drunkenness. He's had six scotches in five minutes. And they drag him away. Six scotches in five minutes is a crime. I call it a starter. Yeah, you would, right? An appetizer. <laughs> The, the, the line about um, the Fat Rolly referred to his mother and Hutch says, you don't have a mother. You were found in a garbage can behind Weight Watchers. Yes. I didn't know Weight Watchers was a thing back in 1975. That's been around a long time, Paul. Clearly so, If yes. only you'd known about it. Oh, I knew about it. Oh, yeah. You're aware of it. I'm aware of it. I know it's, I know it's a thing. Yes. Yeah. You just thought it's about watching weights. <laughs> I tried it. They don't do much. No, they just increase. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Hutch pulls into the police garage and Starsky has locked Raleigh up. The police garage. (laughs) Sorry, the police garage. Yeah, that's what it is, right? It's a garage and it's got police cars in it. You didn't sound very confident when you said it. That was the thing. Well, the reason I wasn't confident was because I was going for garage at first and then translated it in my head to garage and then couldn't remember which was right. (laughs) That's the problems of living in two different countries. Yes, you had a crisis moment. I did. Of pronunciation. Yes. Which which would you prefer? Um, Garage. All right. Hutch pulls into the police garage. (laughs) <laughs> Stasky has locked Raleigh up and our tow truck passes them with a car that looks exactly like Stasky's only this one has big shotgun bullet holes in the windshield mm-hmm. and so we cut to Stasky, Hutch and Captain Dolby and they're listening to Henderson give his report mm-hmm. and when the DA uses the word they when saying they wanted to kill Stasky Hutch asks who they are Henderson says he thinks the killers were hired by Frank Tallman to stop Stersky from testifying against him on Wednesday morning. Henderson continues to say that he knows that it's a long shot, that it's the reason they tried to kill Stersky, and he taps Hutch on the shoulder. 
Hutch annoyed says he's Starsky, I'm Hutch, and this is a running gag through the series. It it is, and it always makes me laugh because I can never remember which is which either. Oh really? No, I always get them confused. But you know when they when they go undercover and have fake names, people also confuse the fake names. <laughs> so they so that so they do the gag with the fake names too. No, that's a good gag. I yeah. like that. Stersky doesn't buy that it's Tolman. The DA argues that they could put Tolman away and isn't that sufficient motive? Hutch says it is, but that Tolman is also sufficiently bright enough not to try and get at them that way. Well, who else? And they start running through a list of possible suspects. Mm-hmm. Now Henderson wants them off the street, but Dobie says they have work to do. It's not the kind of boss I'd want, right? <laughs> there's a there's a killer out there who's trying to get you. Well, I better you know hold up in my house. Oh no, go out there. He's <laughs> like, well, hold on a second, mate. Well, you got to draw him out, haven't you? I guess so. Mm. There's an important. Speaking of Cap- sorry, speaking of Captain Doby, his voice is amazing, isn't it? This guy. Which Doby do you prefer? I think I prefer the the real Captain Doby. Yeah. I mean, it's unfair, really, because this guy only gets this one episode, and the other one has yeah. three seasons. So you know. Absolutely, but this guy's voice is amazing. It's like gravel scraping down a washboard, isn't it? So also, do we think this is the first show that had this kind of chief, where? He shouted all the time at his men, but he would stick up for them because nobody else was allowed to shout at them. It could well be. It could well be. Because we see this in Hunter later on. We see it in other cop shows. And given Miami Vice's innovations in style, we also see it in the first few episodes of Miami Vice before they drop it. They do, yes. And and that's that's a good thing for them. It is. You also see... You also see it in, in movies as well. It's in um, 48 Hours. Yep. It's also yep. in Beverly Hills Cop. Yes, yes. So I wonder if so this it, was the original. Yeah, I think it became a trope, didn't it? Definitely, yeah. yeah. They still kind of use it today, on and off. I've seen it in modern things. Yeah, you see it in British stuff too. Yeah, oh, we saw it in Dempsey and Makepeace in the 80s too. Yes, yes. <laughs> a bit more classy though. Well, she was. <laughs> all right i'll try and get her on the podcast she still, is. <laughs> she still is yes she is yes uh <laughs> oh, he's lost. we lost him no no there's, there's a typo uh i'll get to the typo in a second i'll read the typo as it is and then i'll do it properly mm-hmm so Dolby tells me there's an important narco stakeout coming up that's taken six months to set up Besides, he tells all his men in the department where to go and when to go. Not this Henderson guy. The phone rings. Dobie gets tit. <laughs> Can you spot the typo? Good for him. Yeah, That's why nice. not? <laughs> ah, it's the 70s. <laughs> the phone rings. Dobie gets it and tells him that Raleigh's been processed by the bondsman and is being released. Stersky and Hutch are going after him, but are switching cars to let them know whoever did this that they failed. Stersky tells Henderson that they're willing to get burned working the street, but not sitting on their tails. That was that was one of my choices of lines. That you're willing to get burned on the street, but not sitting on your tail? I, I decided not to go with that one. Ironically, because sitting on your tail is what you do for the majority of your time. <laughs> Oh, 
All right. <laughs> Hutch makes a call from the lockup. He leaves a message saying that he and Starsky will meet Huggy Bear tomorrow night. When he hangs up, he sees Fat Raleigh being released. Raleigh makes a call from a phone. Calling your bookie again, asks Hutch. Raleigh quickly hangs up and leaves. Mm-hmm. In the car park, Hutch is waiting for Starsky. He pulls the car around and Hutch gets in. Starsky asks him, what's wrong? Hutch says it's like when he was married... And he and Nancy would leave the house. She'd go running back thinking she'd left the water running or something. And now he gets that feeling about Fat Raleigh. That he did something that wasn't right. And he'd be damned if he knew what it was. And he was there and he saw it. Hutch gets this moment. Doesn't Starsky get one of these later as well? To do with a a quarterback when he was in college football? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but yeah. I like these moments. It's like you yeah. you saw something, but you can't. You know something was wrong about it, but you just don't know what it was. Yeah, but yeah. it drops it in so that when he comes up with it later, you're not like, oh, how did he suddenly come up with that? Yeah, this entire episode crams a lot in for it's what one Seven, hour and eight minutes, minutes. running time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and 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 it all none of it feels rushed. None right. of it feels forced. It all feels natural. Yep. And it's mm-hmm. not, not a pilot that has characters that have nothing to do with the actual series like certain other no. shows. <laughs> like like what? Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so we cut to Raleigh finally making his call. And then we cut to the hitman's room. Their phone is ringing. One of them answers it. And it's Raleigh. Raleigh tells them they have to do it one more time. And he'll tell them where and when we fade to black. I love these guys. They, they, when he gets off the phone, he turns to the other and goes, we've got to do it again. And he goes, we've got to do it again? And he goes, yeah, we've got to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> you better unpack. He starts unpacking. Yeah. Yeah. Stasky and Hutch drive through an alleyway and pull up alongside a homeless guy rummaging in a trash can. Not much take today, says Hutch. Hutch gives him some money and they drive off. So, you know, like, they're like the cops... The hard nose, but they're also part to the community. Now, doesn't Hooker do this as well? What? TJ. Takes takes money from a homeless guy and punches him. <laughs> no, he, isn't there a isn't Give, there an episode? Gives him money and then spends half an hour like giving a speech about homeless people should be just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and then spends the rest of it down mid city bar or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, getting drunk <laughs> and then driving. No, isn't there an episode where he's he's befriended an old an elderly um homeless woman pushing a cart and he 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 kind of Oh, I think so. I think yeah. so. But you Rings know. The bell, there's yeah. something something in it for Hooker. There's nothing in you it know, for Hutch. You know, apparently a lot of the plots from TJ Hooker are recycled Starsky and Hutch plots. Really? Yeah, I read that. Oh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stersky says it's a toilet bowl what we do will we do it you and me are like little bugs waiting to crawl up and every time we try someone flushes Hutch says well we should be thankful that we're a couple of bugs that know how to swim so I also think this kind of conversation about the world and how what they're doing was ultimately pointless this nihilism is it's new for this and it's something we will see in Miami Vice Oh, yeah. 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 Again, it goes back to, did it all start from this? Yeah, I don't know. Everything spring from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. The modern cop show. Yeah. I think it did. It may well have done. It feels like it. 
Starsky notices that they're being followed. He guns the engine and speeds away. And the following car gives chase. And the cars speed along the roads, making turns into alleyways. And like we say, we see lots of shots of people running across the street in front of the cars. And it looks very real. It does, and it, it's very cinematic, isn't it? Absolutely, and there's people like staring at it like they're surprised to see it. One guy jumps out of the way, doesn't he? He's crossing yeah. the, he, he goes to cross the road and then jumps back as the right. car comes careening around the corner. We know we're in the good old 1970s because there's cars going down alleyways with newspaper and cardboard boxes everywhere. Well, this is another point. Did they start that too? Possibly. Possibly. And the, unless it was in French Connection. I mean, there is oh, yeah, quite a famous true. car chase in the French Connection, isn't there? There is, but it's a New York car chase. I don't remember boxes and alleyways. It's usually like it's under the uh, overpass, mm. right? Over the subway mm. overpass. But, they, but but that's interesting because we're talking about how natural and real this car chase feels. But wasn't that actually filmed on the fly in the French Connection? Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they're obviously trying to emulate that, aren't they? Yeah. And are they emulating it cleverly or was it really done on the fly? It's unlikely it was done on the fly. For a TV show, would have yeah. for a major, a major network TV show, it probably wasn't. No, but it looks good. It does. So they corner the other car in a car pack and they manage to drag them out of the cars, but it's not the two hitmen. And Starsky literally jumps on one of them. He does, he does, yeah, right on his back. Yeah, he's like <laughs> holding on to him, <laughs> which I, I kind of like because it's a kind of like, if they were out to kill you, you'd just do anything to stop them from getting a gun. Or... Absolutely. I, I, the, the, both of them are, are very physical performances, aren't they? Yeah, and there's, but there's no like, Oh, I know martial arts. It's like scrappy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. Which is what these guys would be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of these guys tells Stersky to take it easy, that Tolman has a message for them and he wants to meet them. Stersky wants to know why and the guy says he doesn't know, but the word is now. So they go to Tolman's mansion and a woman leads them upstairs. I don't know why I said <laughs> it like Roger Moore. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. A woman? <laughs> The yeah, yeah, yeah. A woman leads them upstairs. A guy stops them and tells them they have to take the clothes off because Mr. Tolman is in the steam room and he needs to see that they're not wired for sound. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Cliff Richard's song in my head now. It's a good song. Yeah, it is. They try to take Stersky and Hutch's guns, but the detectives throw one of the guys down the stairs and grab the gun from the other one. This feels very raw as well, doesn't it? The way they, they just attack the guys. Yeah, like the fight scenes are very, like, just, as I said, scrappy. They're just, like, pounding each other and yeah, doing what they can. choreographed or anything. It just, it's like they just made it up. Right, but that looks like people would fight in real life. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Stersky asks them for directions to the steam room. In the little, I don't know what it's called, outside the steam room, but they take the clothes off and a woman appears and gives them towels. And they're surprised that the woman's there. Yeah, perfectly fitting towels as well. Wait, I don't think you have fitted towels, Paul. Like, <laughs> don't I don't, you don't, I don't think you go, hmm, I need a towel. I'm a 36 uh, waist. <laughs> with that. I don't yeah, what I'm saying is they look perfectly fitted to them, don't they? I never thought about it in that much in depth, to be honest. <laughs> I do like the nice touch that even though they take all the clothes off, they still put the holsters on. Yes, yes, that is a good touch. <laughs> yes, because they never... You never take off the guns on duty. No. They enter the steam room. 
You see, says Mr. Tallman, crime does pay. Mm-hmm. Now, Tallman tells him that somebody's trying to frame him for the murders of Stasky and Hutch. Tallman says the killers will obviously try again before the trial, because if the murders happen after the trial, then he would have no motive and can't be framed for it. Bush Hutch says if we testify tomorrow, you'll be in for a heavy fall. Eh, Tallman doesn't think so. He says he'll be found guilty, but will be able to pay the outrageous bail amount and be home for cocktails. Then they'll appeal, and that will fail, but they'll keep appealing higher and higher through the courts, and it will drag on for five or six years. Tallman says he's 61 with high blood pressure. He won't make it to 65, and the courts will find him guilty two years after he's died. So isn't this idea of a crime lord who's also a philosophical genius, it's, it's kind of a trope as well, isn't it? But it is. is it, was, was it a trope then? Again, if we'd done any research into all this stuff, we'd have answers and be a proper podcast. <laughs> we even get one in Get Carter, don't we? We do. And what uh, I watched an episode of Magnum the other day, and that had uh, Magnum and TC visiting a crime lord in a steam room. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Maybe it's just steam rooms are full of crime lords. <laughs> they all good to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's right. it. You need to start hang, hanging out in more steam. No, you don't. No, forget that. Bathhouses. That's what they're called, isn't it? Bathhouses. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so Starsky asks Tolman for help. Give me the names of the killers. Because Tolman must, with his contacts, know the two that are doing it. But Tolman says... They didn't do it, because if it was them, Stasky and Hodge would be dead already. Mm. Yeah. Tolman says they should spend the night at his place, have a good breakfast, and then they can go to the trial together. But Hutch says they have places to go. Tolman asks them, are these appointments worth dying for? Even dying's a living, says Stasky. And the room fills with steam, and we fade to black. It's a good line. Now, would you, would you have stayed? Uh... If, if- well, 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 let's take a, a, a earlier thought that this is us. If right, we if we right. were starting, you know, and, and the guy gave us the same option, what would you do? Uh, so the choice is mm-hmm. go out, be killed, or stay in the mm-hmm. steam room, sleep in probably a very nice bed, mm-hmm. have a good breakfast. Yeah, I think I know which I'd do. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> go out in those streets. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, okay. <laughs> so Fat Rolly is with the two hitmen in their hotel room. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the hitmen is still trying to finish his John Wayne film, apparently. That's right, yeah. But Rolly is blocking the view as he talks on the phone with someone. It's um, I like the little touches like this. In, 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 in... <laughs> I came out wrong, didn't I? <laughs> You like little touches. <clears throat> no, I, li- I like the little things that they put in. Uh, like, he- he's trying to careen around the guy to-, to look at the TV. Right. A lot a lot of TV shows wouldn't bother with that kind of thing. They'd just get to the, to the story and keep t- moving that story forward, wouldn't they? Yeah, like the fact that the other hitman is reading The Age of Voltaire. Yes, I was going to get to that okay. in a while. Yeah. <laughs> so Rolly takes an address down. And he gives it to the hitmen, telling them that that's where Starsky and Hutch will be. Yeah. Meanwhile, Zane's reading, as you say, a book. He's laying on the bed, and it, the book's called The Age Voltaire. 
and um, he begins reciting a verse from it out loud. He does, yeah. So then we cut to a motel with a swimming pool outside. It's pouring with rain. Starsky and Hutch are camped out in a bush, and they're waiting. Hutch sneezes. He's catching a cold. Well, you would. He's in the pine rain. And they're watching. Um, now, this is where I get. I got confused with this. That's easy. Did I miss something? They're watching another mob guy yep. in his hotel, aren't they? Yeah. Now, this goes back to something that Tolman said to them, isn't it? The Dobie said. Okay, so this is the reason that they can't just go home and hide because they got this narco stakeout that's supposed to be on. Yes. So Hutch asks Starsky, does he think that the guys uh, got the stuff in the hotel room? Yeah, because they're, they're waiting for a drug deal to take place. Mm-hmm. Because if he doesn't get it out soon, then uh, he'll start to shrink in the rain. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, he does. Yeah, I do it all the time. So a woman comes out walking her dog. And Starsky and Hutch um, indulge in some good old-fashioned 70s sexist banter, talking about her legs, etc. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. He's joking because you can't see her legs. He's talking about the dog. Yeah, but then he also says, the ugly one's yours. Yeah, meaning the dog or the woman. Could be the woman. Dog's quite attractive. I like that dog. It's a nice-looking dog. Yeah, I think, you're, I think you're letting a little bit too much of yourself out there, Colin. <laughs> Reel it back in. All right. <laughs> Does Monty know about this? <laughs> now, 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 Monty sounds... My, to people who are listening, Monty doesn't sound like a dog. Monty sounds like my older boyfriend or something. You're cheating on Monty with a dog. Yeah, he, he's an artist who, who formerly was in the army, but now he just sells paintings in uh, an antique store on the Upper West Side. <laughs> you, you wish. <laughs> Monty is a dog. All right. So, so, so the woman wants her dog to uh, take a pee mm-hmm. at his favourite tree, which also happens to be where uh, Hutch is hiding out. Yeah, Hodge says, it's going to appear in his favourite tree and it's me. Well, we've all done that. Well, you have. <laughs> well, you know. Not even a tree, middle of a street. <laughs> when when it, when it the urge happens, you've got to use it, haven't you? Yeah, but not usually at kicking out time. It's not kick, it wasn't kicking out time. It was, the nightclub opened. Oh, yeah, it did, didn't it? <laughs> We are talking like, what, 25 years ago? We're not talking like last week. Oh, God, it's probably older than 25 years, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. No, Just, I mean, you've probably done it last week, but... No. Okay. I'm very, I'm very careful where I go to the toilet these days. Yeah. So suddenly, a mustachioed man in a trench coat and a, and a hat. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Well, probably because you said mustachioed instead of just a guy with a hat, like... Well, he's, he is mustachioed, isn't he? He's quite a fine mustache as well. I'll take your word for it as an expert on mustaches, which is ironic. I've got a bit of something. Yeah, dirt. You should wash your face. <laughs> so this guy, uh, he goes up to the mobster's room, and Starsky and Hutch uh, don't recognise him. They don't. They don't know who he is. Yeah, he's not in the book. Remember, he says he's not in the book, which is the one that they not put the together. It doesn't matter anyway because he kind of. He uh, he goes up to the room briefly and then he leaves just as uh, the two hitmen 
pull up in their car. Yeah. So we never see him again anyway, so it doesn't no, matter. No, but they didn't know that because he was part of the drugs deal no. that they were supposed to be stopping. No, it all makes sense. Next, the mob guy comes out of his room and he tosses a package from the balcony into the swimming pool. Yeah, have you ever tossed your package into a swimming pool? No, Your Honour. Okay. And a man dressed in black and a balaclava climbs down from the roof. Yeah, he does. Yeah, well, yep. what he was doing on the roof, I'm not sure. He could have just gone through the path and he was fished waiting. it out. Why is he wearing a balaclava? Because he doesn't want to be seen by people looking out the windows or anything or recognised. All right, okay, all right. So using a pole, he fishes out, well, he tries to fish out the package from the swimming pool when uh, Stasky and Hutch jump out yelling freeze. Yeah. But the man runs. He actually tosses the pole right into um, Starsky's face. Yeah, pole tossing. Not acceptable. It wasn't in the 70s and it's not now. Well. But Starsky tackles him and they fall into the pool. There's a few punches thrown mm. until Starsky, with uh, Hutch's help, drags himself and the guy out of the pool. Suddenly, a hitman appear, aiming guns. Starsky and Hutch dive back into the pool just in time as they open fire. The balaclavered guy isn't so lucky and he's hit. He falls back into the pool dead yep. as the hitman run off. Yeah. Now, this threw me for a second. I'm thinking, keep going on about how good these guys are. And they missed them and just shot the guy in the middle. But there is a reason for that, isn't there? There is, yeah. Yes. I, I didn't give this show enough credit. Absolutely. At the time. Yeah. yeah. So Stashy and Hutch climb out, guns drawn, in that iconic shot that's in the credits that yes. everyone remembers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they shout for someone to call the police. Um, and they wonder who the dead balaclava guy was. Yeah. That doesn't go anywhere, does it? No, because, they're, well, they're just, like, talking. It's just people talking. They're just going, I wonder who he was. And they're like, well, it doesn't matter now. He's dead. So do they think that the, the hitmen were aiming for the balaclava guy? Or do they realise that they were aiming for them and they they just shot him by mistake? I don't think they're entirely sure at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you just think you're bloody lucky. It's only later when somebody else says... When, well, we'll get to it, right? But mm -hmm. I think at this point, they just think they were lucky. Yeah, yeah. So later, Starsky and Hutch are drying off in the motel laundry room where a man is complaining about who'll clean up all the blood outside. Yeah, he's the superintendent for the uh, condo building. I knew that you'd be able to explain this because this meant nothing to me. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like the, the, the janitor or the caretaker, but he's the super... And this is the thing about this episode. Every character has a quirk, a line, a backstory. They have something about them. It doesn't matter how small that character is in this episode, whether they've got one line, two lines, whether they have five seconds of her time. There's something about them. It makes them all feel more like real people, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a real world. So Hutch needs to call the office, and the man tells him that he needs to dial eight to get an outside line. Yes. Suddenly, a light bulb appears over Hutch's head. Not literally, figuratively. Right. Obviously. Hutch realises that back at the department, when Rowley made his phone call, mm -hmm. he didn't dial for an outside line. Right. 
Hotch is convinced that someone in the department is feeding the hitman their whereabouts. Sounds like it. This is a um, quite an interesting turn for this episode. I didn't see it coming. Neither did I. Like, no. I'd completely forgotten about, well... Like, actually, there's two turns then, really. There's this point where you're like, okay... Mm someone's involved in the department and then there's another turn later where you're like okay i didn't even see that one coming either yeah we'll talk about that when yeah. it happens won't we yeah. yeah so starsky is suitably worried who are we supposed to trust he asks same people we always do replies hutch us which i think is the theme of the starsky and hutch show overall it, it's against the world isn't yes. it yes yeah yeah a bit like us well if you want to include you <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mr. Mr. Lone Gunman. That's oh, I me. shouldn't say that, really, should I? Yeah, you don't want to no, be that. Probably, yeah, no. Let's, let's, let's get rid of that. <laughs> let's get it picked up. <laughs> you hear that click on the end of your phone. <laughs> yeah. So Stasky and Hutch leave the hotel and they get in the car. The rain has stopped, and they set off to meet Huggy Burr at a porno theatre. Yeah. So, children, porno theatres were a thing back in the old, innocent, pre-internet days, apparently. Weren't they, Colin? I, I wouldn't know. They oh, were, I've, mean, I've seen them, like, in episodes of Minder when they're walking down press, through Soho, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Often used to be a very famous one in Manchester. I near the, near, was there? Yeah, near the train station, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. I've never been in. I've never been in. You just <laughs> walked and stood outside a lot. <laughs> Hope that some old guy would take pity on you. No, no. I, I just remember it. It was always there. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I, I've never been in. Fine. You keep telling yourself that. I, don't, I will because it's true. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Stask and Hutch go inside, um, where a few of the connoisseurs are watching the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stasky points at uh, at the screen as he's munching popcorn. He's always eating as well, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Takes after you. But do you see me eat? I'm not the one eating bread. Uh, well, I'm the but, one who hasn't had dinner. But you've had dinner. I have had dinner. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've had I, mean, I hope so. It's 20 past two in the morning for me. So. Oh, it's 8.22 here and I've not had dinner. You said it's like a radio uh, DJ then. It's 8.22 p.m. and I've not had dinner. So Starsky points at the screen and he says, hey, isn't that the chick we busted last week? So then an annoyed patron tells them to hush. God forbid he misses any important dialogue. No, he doesn't say that. He tells them to shh. No, he says, what does he think he is, in an art museum? Yeah, so, no, no, that's me saying, God forbid. Oh. oh, okay, sorry, I thought that was a line from the TV show. I thought he was watching a di- totally different version from what I was seeing. No, no, it was me cracking a joke, but it's fine, it's all right. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I, I I, didn't realise, I apologise. I'll, I'll hold a flag up next time, shall I? <laughs> no, no, we'll just edit this bit in, hold on. <laughs> there we go. You having a stroke? Always. <laughs> That's later. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to say at the minute as well. Porn cinema popcorn? 
Well, you think that's a bad idea? Uh, yeah, I mean, do they ask you, do you want it sweet or salty? I think they ask if you want sauce on it. <laughs> you want it cheese on it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's where they make all their money. Popcorn, even in a porn cinema. Ugh, can you imagine porn cinema popcorn, though? I'm sure it's no worse than normal popcorn. No, that's true, yeah, that's true. You know, they scrape it off of the floor, don't you? Yep. Still tastes nice, though. So they take their seats, and they notice an old woman drinking coffee and eating behind them. Well, Hutch doesn't. Stersky does. Mm. Stersky's looking at her like she's drinking something from a flask. And then he looks back, and he looks again, and she's putting salt on her apple? Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, what the f... <laughs> <laughs> I love the little moments like that. Yeah, it's like, the- first of all, it's an old woman in a pawn cinema, and then it's the fact that she's got all this weird food with her. Mm, yeah, it's the fact that they thought of it yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of effort gone into this. Which, I wonder if that's why Glazer was so... And, and I think David Saul was annoyed with the direction that it went <laughs> in, because you start off with this, like, high level, and then you just kind of... Mm, Go down into typical TV show. Yeah. TV show, yeah. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. So Huggy Bear enters, and he's got to be one of the coolest characters and coolest character introductions of all TV history, I think. Really? What's about it that you like that you think is cool? It's just the way he walks into the theatre. Yeah. You don't even need music playing. I mean, lesser TV shows or movies would play some boom, shuka, waka, boom, you know, that kind of thing. What was that? But this one doesn't. No. You don't need it. No. Because he's so cool. Yeah. You know? Yep. So he sits near them. What's happening? He whispers. You like that? Yeah. Well, I liked it when he did it. Yeah. So <laughs> you did it. You sounds like you're standing outside of high school. <laughs> Picking up my son, obviously. Yeah. Wait. So they... Isn't it not that old, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm just going with it. Okay. It's, it's, it's theatre, isn't it? It's what we do. Uh-huh. Yeah. So they ask him about the, the two hitmen and anything to do with the, the... Does he know anything to do with dirty cops? I mean, corrupt cops, not ones no. that don't wash their hands yeah. properly. No. Oh, I like Hookie. perversions. Perversions? Oh. Like what? Well, I'm not going to list them because <laughs> I wouldn't know because I'm not a dirty cop. I just wondered. Okay. So Huggy is reluctant at first until Starsky explains that they've almost died a few times now. So Huggy tells them that uh, Dobie is a good cop, but he likes the ponies too much. But he's not on the take. Which is, it's, this is actually a neat way of giving us backstory about other characters. It is. It is. That, that, that doesn't seem forced or out of place. Yeah. Yeah. So, I know we've been saying this throughout this episode, because we don't have the knowledge, but is this the beginning of where we see a snitch that provides the detective some information that we will see again and again, because we have it in uh, Hunter. Hunter has Mm -hmm. a regular one. And also in Miami Vice, they do it with Izzy. But then didn't Callan do it? And that was the 60s. Yeah, but that's British. This is American. So, Do you not think they were aware of that then, probably? Not in those days. Mm, yeah, not. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, so maybe it isn't a thing. It just feel I just don't know a TV show American before that. Yeah, time. I can't think of an American one before this that did it right. either. 
No. Huggy also tells them that Henderson, he's not dirty either. Um, I like how Huggy's munching on Starsky's popcorn, and Starsky looks kind of miffed by it as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, um, he stops and looks up at the screen, Huggy does, and he stares wide-eyed, wide-eyed at the screen and says, how do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> He's watching Condor Man, right? Condor Man, absolutely. Yeah. How do they do that? So, st- <laughs> how did they make that? <laughs> Condor Man. Yes. <laughs> Steel, on the other hand, now he's a pretty bad cat. He is. Poop- poops in the front room. Yeah. He's fond of working girls as, as well. And catnip. And he doesn't care for you two at all. And Steele was one of the uh, policemen from Eternal Affairs, I think, who was in the office when Dolby was speaking to Stursky and Hutch. Mm-hmm. Now, so you're, you're, you think this is where they're going to go? Watching this, this is where you think they're going to go with it, don't yes. you? Yes. Steele's the guy. Yep. It's Steele. Yep. Huggy then tells them about Zane and Cannell, the two hitmen. Yep. Um, but he says if they were after you, they would have got you. Which is the second so that, time they've heard this. It is. Um, so they thank Huggy and they leave him. And they leave him the popcorn as well. That's nice. Actually, they don't leave it him. He just takes it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's staying for the rest of the film. Well, yeah, of course. It's, it's not traditionally how you would watch those kind of movies, though, is it? You usually only see the first 10 minutes, don't you? The first... No, because the first 10 minutes is them all. My washing machine has broken down. <laughs> unless you, unless you're really into plumbing. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, I'm only here for to see how they, they fix that Zanussi. Because that's what I really like. That's very Although, niche. Do you know, Paul, that, that, that's one of the weird things about palm films. You get to a certain age when you spend all your time watching a palm film and going... What's those DVDs on that bookshelf behind it? <laughs> and you tilt your head trying to read the, the spines of the DVDs going, oh, look, well, they've got Dune. That's strange. Still don't strike me as Dune watchers. <laughs> You're theorising there, aren't you? Yes, like, absolutely, of course. I yeah, don't watch such yes. things. No, of course not, no. So Starsky and Hutch leave the theatre, and Starsky... Uh, Tells a story about college football, the one that we were talking about earlier. Mm, yeah. About how someone uh, used to always sucker him in. And this is what this feels like to him right now. Yep. He then calls the department and checks the hitman's names. Starsky then tells uh, Hutch that maybe if the hitmen are so good, they've been missing them on purpose. So this is, I think, the point. No, not before, but now when they play it back and think, how can mm. they not be killed these times? Yeah. yeah. And I... I I was really impressed by this because a lot of other TV shows would just skip over the fact that, you know, how many times in movies and shows do you, you hear about hitmen that are supposed to be like the best at, at what they do, but yet they can never quite get the main characters. Right. That the real targets could have been the two kids who got killed in the start of the episode. And this is what I thought was good. Cause I completely forgotten about them, which is That's what right. the point of the bad guy's idea was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But no one is investigating them because everyone believes that it's just a case of mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. So they go to the morgue to check the bodies, and we have the customary pathologist who is completely inappropriate. 
Yeah, again, every character has their shtick in this film. Yeah. Film, TV that, show. But, but again, this is another trope, isn't it, that gets used over and over again. Yeah, I think uh, Hunter had the mark. Was it? The, I know at one point he, he was always playing a musical instrument, but then he was also eating as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So he pulls back the sheet on the girl, uh, and the pathologist remarks, <clears throat> neat little figure she had. I wonder what her face looked like. Yeah, very professional. Mm. I was thinking, okay, Jimmy. Oh, yes. Took me a while. Mm. I was like, Jimmy mm. Kerr was done for tax. I don't know what you're talking about now. But then I realised, wrong Jimmy. The other one. The yeah. Other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they check on a prince, and the pathologist goes into a bit more of uh, latent racism this time. And he reads... Patricia Talbot, female, 19, Caucasian. <laughs> you know, we used to call them white. Yeah, right, I don't care. It's a, <laughs> that's a weird moment. It also turns out that she was pregnant and that her roommate checked out all her personal effects or is just about to check them all mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Luckily, Starsky and Hutch catch the roommate leaving with the effects and they ask her if, she, if they can see them, but she's a bit reluctant at first. Miss, what's your name? asked Starsky. Gretchen Neville. Knevel. Knevel, isn't it? So Starsky turns on the charm and she um she hands over the bag. And as they look through um the bag, Gretchen asks why the police didn't hang on to all this, which Hutch thinks is a good question. It is. Starsky goes to use the phone and run the makes on the two dead kids. Now I like how the guy at the desk reminds him to dial eight for an outside line. Yep. Yeah, it's a good bit. A little, little bit of a callback as well, just yes. to just to, just to remind everyone watching. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Gretchen is—is is she kind of coming on to um, Hutch? It's kind of, yeah. He's, she's like what half his age, or that's kind of hard to say in the seventies. Everyone looked weird, like older than what yeah. they really were. I reckon they were similar age. Well, I don't know. She's in university, right? So but she's, she's probably played by someone of a similar age to yeah, uh, probably, David. Probably, yeah, yeah. Because that, that was a thing, wasn't it? Everyone did that then. Yeah. So Hutch finds um, Patricia's schedule, a university schedule, um, which shows that Henderson took her for two classes each week. He did all right. Oh, de- <laughs> he definitely did, yes. Now, Henderson was, was a name that um, Huggy Bird just tossed off, didn't he? Uh, well, he said Henderson was okay, but Henderson's yeah. also the DA that was briefed Stasky and Hutch and also called Doby in originally. But I'd forgotten about him. Oh, you had? Because he'd not, he'd not played a major role in this episode, really, apart from that one scene, really. He hadn't really stood out at all. Yeah, but if you think about it back backwards... Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. When you- yeah, and his but attitude towards Dolby at the beginning is pretty, like, strange. But you don't think about it then. It's exceptionally well written this yeah. episode. So they conclude that Henderson probably got the girl pregnant, but the girl wouldn't go away or get rid of the kid. And I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. And that the two hitmen were known to to Henderson. I think they say that he's gotten them off a charge. Yeah, a charge that they should have gone down for, but somehow managed to get out of. That's right. And um, 
it was the same for the kid with the Torino as well, wasn't it? That he he'd been done for stealing cars yes. or something. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Henderson, they surmise, set all this up using Tolman and the fake contract on Starsky and Hutch's cover just to get rid of the girl. Yeah. Is it me or is it a bit of an elaborate plan? Well, no, he's going to protect his career, his whatever his money he's earning, protect his livelihood. And the plan would actually, it's a pretty good one. It would have worked really well. Okay. Just it, it, it I, I think to, about it. For him, it's not really much for him to do. He just has to call a couple of people to sort it out. But the whole the whole Starsky and Hutch thing, making it seem like the hitmen were going after Starsky rather than anyone if, else. If Dobie had um, done what he was told and just not let them go on the streets, they wouldn't mm. have been able to investigate this. I suppose, and and they were never going for them anyway, were they? So right. they, they they were never at risk of getting killed because they weren't the targets to begin with. It was yes. only later they had to try and make it look like that, wasn't it? The, right. I see. All right. Okay. All right. So next day, Starsky and Hutch are tailing Henderson to City Hall. Henderson goes inside and he takes a cryptic message from uh, his secretary, supposedly from Zane and um, Cannell. Mm-hmm. And he quickly panics and he exits. And Stasky and Hutch watch him as he uh, gets back into his car and he sets off and they follow him. Yep. And this is where I'll just have a quick mention of uh, Hutch's snazzy brown leather jacket and black turtleneck combo that he's got on. Love that jacket. He does look cool. Yeah. So they tail Henderson until a pedestrian suddenly steps out in front of their car, forcing them to stop. Yes. He looks very real as well, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, yeah. <laughs> so Starkey's worried. Starkey? Who's Starkey? Is he in uh, Game of Thrones? Is it John Starkey? Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Starkey is worried that Henderson... Him too! too yes. <laughs> <laughs> that he's, getting, he's, getting, he's getting too far ahead. Um, so he floors it, and they speed straight through a red light, which causes a black and white police car to pull them over. Again, because they can't just let, an, like a normal TV show, we just have the cop car switch his lights on and chase him. This has to have dialogue, and the guy it's says, slow, I, want, I wonder what other colours he doesn't like besides red. <laughs> it, it, it is fascinating how it's written, this, isn't yeah. it? So they flash their badges and um, get annoyed when the officer mixes up their names. Yes. It always good. It keep, it's it's, it's the, the joke that keeps on giving, isn't it? Yep. So finally Henderson arrives at um, the two hitmen's hotel and he goes inside. Starsky and Hutch follow, with Starsky going inside and Hutch going round the back in the car. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we get a really good tense moment where the two um, cops are running upstairs and jumping over walls and running up fire escapes, um, following Henderson, who's going up in the lift. Yeah, because they don't know what floor it's going to stop at, so they have to keep running up, checking, then running up again. Yeah, and Paul Michael Glazer is particularly good in this, isn't he? Yes. The way he's flinging himself around those corners and, and he's almost having a heart attack trying to get up there, isn't he? Yeah, he reminded me of somebody running... For a bus. You've never seen me run? That's true, I haven't. 
<laughs> so Henderson gets out at uh, level seven. Yes, top top floor, right? Top floor, and he goes into Zane and Canel's room, accusing them of sending him um, the note earlier. It's something that they don't know anything about. Right. So Starsky and Hutch obviously sent this, didn't yes. they? Yes. Yep. To draw him out. Yep. So Starsky bangs on the door, gun drawn, shouting, Police! The less northern, obviously. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Canel grabs Henderson angrily as Zane opens the window. But Hutch is outside, and there's a gunfight. Henderson is killed by, actually, Zane, isn't he? Doesn't he shoot him in the back? Yeah, he does, because uh, Zane pushes him down the stairs into Starsky and shoots him as he's doing it. That's right. And um, a chase starts where Starsky and Hutch have to run back down the stairs and the fire escape. Um, and this is where we get to, um, this is all to the great theme music as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah, which we didn't mention. We didn't, but it, they change it, don't they? Third season it changes. It's not Third as good thing. in the first season. Not as good, no, no. It works really well in this scene, though. Yeah. yeah. It reminded me of the scene in the Miami Vice pilot where they use the um, the theme tune when Crockett's chasing Tubbs. Oh, okay, yes. yes. In the boat and Tubbs is in the car. Yeah. And this is where uh, Hutch jumps off the wall onto the roof of the car. Yeah, I made a note of that. I love the shot where he jumps down and does that. That must have hurt. It looks like it hurt. He grimaces when he lands. I mean, it's a car roof. <laughs> it's not soft. <laughs> and it's him doing it. Mm, yeah. I'm I'm sure I read somewhere that he did actually hurt himself doing that. I vaguely remember that he hurt his back doing it. Mm-hmm. And I can totally get that. So Hutch jumps uh, into the car. And he speeds down into the car park just as the hitmen step out from a door. There's a firefight. And Starsky and Hot shoot the two hitmen and arrest them. Yeah. One's dead and the other one's still alive, isn't he? Yes. So later, Starsky and Hutch are tra- talking to Frankie at the gym. Remember Frankie? Yeah. Well, Frankie gives uh, Hutch his bill, but uh, Hutch asks Starsky to pay it for him. Which seems to be a common thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds familiar as well, doesn't it? I um, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I, I was going to make the joke before you did it. Okay. You obviously thought of it, didn't you? Yeah. Leading yes, up thought, to it. Yeah, I thought you were. I was might. tap dancing around it before I dived mm-hmm. in. I thought I'd get in there first. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit of jokey dialogue about buying dinner and some chilli. Hutch says that he'll follow Starsky to a great place down the road, but he just ends up ditching him. Yeah, because we haven't really mentioned that Starsky likes junk food, Hutch is a health nut. That's it, and and that plays into the series, particularly in the first season, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, they lose it after a while, I think. And as they drive off, that's the end of Starsky and Hutch. There we go. So, Colin, what did you think of Starsky and Hutch? Well, we've, we've seen some rubbish in our time. <laughs> oh, have we? <laughs> but this is certainly not that. It's not at all, is it? It's a great episode. It really is. The dialogue is really good and it has that 70s gritty feel that the films were going for at the time. The TV shows, not so much. Mm -hmm. And as far as we can see, it set the template for a lot of shows coming afterwards. Also, the first one to have genuine relationships between the two male characters. Mm -hmm. Um, The plot is good. I didn't see the twist coming. 
No, neither did I. The action, not a lot of action when you think about it, but what there is is perfectly paced and looks really well done. Yeah, I mean, you get a car chase and you get a gunfight. Yeah, yeah, pretty mm. much. It's mm. a shame that the series changed in the, you know, probably around the third season and started mm. to ditch all that and become more formulaic and played up the comedy. But David Saul and Paul Michael Glazer, they work so well together that I can imagine that's why it carried on for so long because they are good characters. And of yeah, course, I mean, you, Huggy Bear as well, Antonio Fergus is good. Definitely. You, you, you'd quite happily sit through bad seasons with these characters, wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's a hit. Okay, well, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I, I loved this show as a kid. I had annuals. I even had some Mego figures and some toy cars. No, I didn't so know. I was, I was all in on Starsky and Hutch. Um, but this is the thing I mentioned earlier. I, I remembered this show being a lot more playful than, yeah. than this part was. I mean, the, um, the two episodes I'm watching at the moment are a two-parter beginning the third season, and it's about voodoo, and it's set on a tropical island. And that's the kind of thing I think I remember right. more than this. Um, you know, like episodes where they have to wear funny disguises and moustaches and wigs and hats and things. Yeah, yeah. The first yeah. season are like prostitution, drugs, lots of shooting. Yeah. But this This pilot... It's still got really great dialogue and some really funny moments. But it is definitely a lot more gritty and real than I remember the rest of the series being. Right. We mentioned that it's got a lot. I think it owes a lot to French Connection. The two actors in Starsky and Hutch are incredibly watchable. Yep. Especially Paul Michael Glazier. I think he's fantastic in it. And they work well together. They do. They do. They've got some fantastic character moments. Um, that's the kind of thing you don't necessarily associate with TV from this era as well, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't think of anything else like it. It's got a fantastic soundtrack as well. Yes, it really does. It's very cinematic. I just thought it was fantastic, and it's a it's definite hit. With a small caveat that Ooh. I just think it's a shame that the rest of the series didn't keep up this standard. Yeah, but yeah, you can say that for a lot of TV shows, can't you? You can, yeah. Especially the ones that we've covered on retrospection. <laughs> yeah, Rogers. Oh God. <laughs> at least it's managed at least two seasons that were absolutely yeah similar. but no it, it's a definite hit and um if anyone wants to watch starsky and hutch check this out not that dreadful movie that they made a few years ago oh yeah 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 don't don't think about that yeah don't it didn't happen no that didn't happen but that podcast did but it's coming to an end but in our next episode We'll be getting our rubber fangs stuck into the horror parody Carry On Screaming from 1966. But if that's not scary enough for you and you know something that would give you the willies, then you can email your suggestion to retrospection at email.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at Retrospecky, and on Instagram at Retrospection Podcast, all one word. And please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen. You can also hear the themes and songs from the films and shows we review at our Spotify playlist. And finally, if you'd like to support our old episodes and help new ones coming along, then you can lower our server costs by supporting us via patreon.com slash retrospection. Thank you to our current Patreon supporters and make sure another month goes by that Paul doesn't have to take up that second job as a professional water slide tester. Although, let's face it, 
Paul loves his water sports. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>